0: friends welcome to the love you more podcast this is jen your host it's a solo episode and today i'm discussing a book that i read actually i read it last year i'm revisiting it for an upcoming mastermind retreat that i have with some of my dietitian colleagues and i am to bring one of my favorite productivity books to the table so i am choosing this one the title of the book is called 4000 weeks time management for mortals. Have you read it? Well, let me start by asking you a question. Do you know what 4,000 weeks means? What do you think they're getting at with that number? I'll give you a hint. I'm 45 years old and I am currently 2,348.04 weeks old. So... 4000 weeks is approximately 80. I plan on living much longer than 4000 weeks with my solid diet, um, you know, good self-care routine. I'm going to live to, well, I think the oldest person, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly, I think I'm right, lived to 6200 weeks. She lived to 122 years old. Now maybe that record has even been broken since um the book was written, but Anyway, how many weeks do you want to live? Um, You know, it's an interesting way to think about our mortality. And that's what the subtitle of the book is, Time Management for Mortals, because in the end, the premise of this book is that, yes, we are all going to die someday and there is a finitude to our lives. And so there's lots and lots of things that we want to do with those 4,000 plus weeks that we've got here on Earth. Um, and so this, the, uh, the author of the book, Oliver Berkman, um, is a very interesting person. He is someone who got, you know, really caught up in all of the, the hacks that are out there. I I can't, I don't, I will, I'll screw up all the names of all the different books that are out there. I'm sure you all have maybe read some of them, like the four hour work week or, um, what are some of the other current titles? I don't know. Basically, it's like, how much work can you get done in a day and how can you do it efficiently? But yet, how can you also be the best mom, the best uh, person, the best PTO member, the best self-care person? You know, you are doing it all because you are so efficient and productive. And um, this book is quite refreshing because it really takes the opposite approach. And he calls it um, taking more of the negative approach. So really looking at our lives and figuring out when we when we understand what's important to us, then perhaps we start saying no to things that are less important to us and we take a negative approach to life. not like negative like you know, negative attitude towards life, but negative meaning we are removing things and we're taking things off of our plate. So uh, in preparation for this mastermind retreat, um, at the end of the book, I mean, there's so much. This book is so good. It is. It is. And my business coach, who um, I've been working with for for many months to help me, you know, manage my my business, McDaniel Nutrition. She told me, and as a business coach, this is one of the best books um, on productivity that she has ever read. So, and Adam Grant. I don't know if you all have heard of Adam Grant before, but he's one of my favorite. Um, people on all things. Gosh, I don't know what you would even call his expertise on. Forgive me. But if you know Adam Grant, you know how cool he is. And he said this is one of his favorite books on productivity. So it's certainly one to read. Um, it is, it's full of stuff. And, um, and so at the end of the book, though, they talk about their top, his like 10 strategies. What does he call them? Um, Uh, I don't have it down, actually. But like the 10 productivity strategies that he kind of summarizes in the book. So I thought maybe for a podcast, I'd go over some of those. And this doesn't just apply. So whether or not you have a formal job, you know, or whether or not you are um, someone who is, you know, not currently like in the workforce, but clearly you are productive with a million other things that you have to do in your day. This is for everyone. And so, because we all want to make the best use of our time here on earth, you know, we don't want to just be sitting here doing things that we'll look back on our lives and we're like, what did I, what did I do? You know, and I think what's interesting, he brings this up in the book, like when we were younger, think about your summers as a kid, like those days lasted forever. I mean, days of our lives went on for hours playing outside you know, in my backyard, my big backyard in the woods. um, I had this really awesome growing up. I, we, my sister and I grew up on 16 acres in Tennessee and our backyard was a lot of grass, but then it, it ran into some woods. And recently I've been having a lot of just childhood memories about playing in the backyard and playing in the woods and playing on like, just really having some good childhood memories. But those days lasted forever, right? Like you know, four o'clock would finally roll around and you were like, Man, this when is it gonna finally be dinner time? It just seems like the longest day. And now, as adults, it seems like the days often just fly by and then you look back on it and you don't even remember what you did. And he explains that as um as the fact that we're so routinized as adults. You know, I mean, right now, my current routine with our family, we we all get up, we all have to get ready for school and work. And then we we do those things and we do the same things. I make the coffee, Jack makes his lunch, you know, and then they head off to school and then we all do our work thing. And then we pick up kids, you know, at four-ish and then we have the same, we have to all eat dinner. And then we do after school, you know, it's just very routinized. We do very similar things every single day. And so when you don't have the novelty, when you don't have the newness that maybe you had as a child where things tended to be maybe a little bit different, or you were exploring and you were learning things because your brain was learning new things, everything did seem to last a little bit longer and perhaps was even more enjoyable. And so he talks about in there how to make even our mundane things that we do a bit more a bit more novel and, and and find ways to do that. And I'll talk about that when we get to one of the points. But anyway, I just love this book. So let me um let's take a look at these top 10 strategies that Oliver brings up. So the first one is to adopt a fixed volume approach to productivity. So what that means for me is when I wake up you know, and I, and I'm getting better at this. Like I, I certainly just like anything, you read a book, right. And you're super inspired by it and you're like living it and you're following it and you're talking about it. And then a few months later, you're kind of like, forgot, forget some of the things (laughs) that you are doing. So it's really cool that I'm getting to get back in touch with this book because I will say I, I've i lost touch with some of these things and, and I've really found them to be helpful. So I'm looking forward to putting them back into place. But anyway, one thing that I was consistently doing that I'm looking forward to doing again is when I wake up and it's time for me to think about my day, I consider what really are one, two, maybe three really important things that I want to get done that day. And it may be work-related. But it may be um, family related. It may be self care related. Usually, I will say one of those things is always movement because I know movement helps my brain to work at optimal optimal status. And um, and so that's usually one of the things that is. But it's sort of a given. But if if it's work, I might think you know as an entrepreneur and running a business, there's a lot of different things I could choose. And so focusing on a few things that are really important. Is key, and the other thing he talks about is that I don't know if you keep a to-do list. Um, I do. I keep a little checklist on my phone, and then when I get done with that task, it's very fun to delete that task and to see the list diminish. But if you are like every other human being, every time you add you you delete something, you're usually also adding something else, right? It's never like the list just goes away. You never really get to zero things to do. There's always more. And, um, and I think one, the expectation that he gives in this book is that accepting you are never going to get it all done. Right. And the minute you start to understand and believe and accept that you're really never going to get it all done and that's okay. Um, But what's most important is that you do get maybe the one or two things done that are really important. That's key. So going back to the list on my phone, one thing that he suggests that you do is to also keep a list of the things that you have done. So maybe instead of um, deleting the task off of my list altogether, I use one of those circles on my task note list where I just click the, the check. So I can also take note of all of the things that I've accomplished. Because we often don't give ourselves much credit for that, right? We often just kind of get – we we focus on all the things that we have left to do. But rarely do we sit back and just kind of give ourselves a little bit of pat on the back to say, girl, you got some things done today. and And those were some things that were meaningful to you. And those were the things that you chose to do. And that's another important thing. I chose to do those things. Yes, there's lots of people, Jack, Patrick, and Henry to name a few – who are demanding my attention, right? An email demands your attention. And an email can come in at any time of the day, on the weekend, at night. And it's my choice to check email. But again, there's so many people demanding your attention, but in these opportunities to say, what is important to me to get done today before maybe you even open your inbox in the morning, I think is a really critical thing. And I think that's what he's, he's discussing here is, To adopt that fixed volume, how much can you really do in your day? What is possible and what do you want to be possible? Another approach to fixed volume might be saying, I'm going to work from, you know, my hours of work are from, for me, are usually, you know, after the kids leave, 8.30 to 4. And I'm not good at this, but this is something that I would love to get better at. But after 4, like, let's be done. Let's not check email. Let's not hop on my favorite app, Boxer, and talk to my my team or my my favorite office managers. Right. So, um, let's give yourself a break, or at least at least don't do the things you don't want to do. Um, I like talking to my office managers, so they're 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 like friends to me. So you know that's actually fun for me. But like, I don't need to open my inbox and stress myself out with a request from someone that the pleaser in me wants to get done. So anyway, that is um, the fixed. Uh, mindset. Number two is serialize, serialize, serialize. And what we're looking at here is um, kind of taking what I just talked about, but expanding it to like your big work projects, right? So, is there something that is really important to you that you you know it's you've got to get a dental? Let's just say I'll use the example of um, working on. Oh gosh, what what example should I? Okay. Um, doing an effort, we're trying to do more corporate uh, wellness outreach, and I'm creating these Mailchimp letters to go out and keep into contact with companies. Let them know we're still around. Here's some here's some free content for you, and it's it's not the most fun work, but it's really important work. And so, if that's a project that's really important to me, I probably shouldn't take on any other projects until that one is complete. Um, I think distractibility is very. Attractive, right? If you've got something that you're not really that excited to work on, it's really easy to pretend that other things are equally as important and you can just change, you can do those too. And then you end up having all of these projects started, but not a lot of projects completely finished. I am completely, you know, as an entrepreneur, I think this is very, very hard because you start seeing everything as equally as important, which isn't true. There are things that are more important to me moving forward the progression of my business than me spending time correcting a picture of a blog on my website, right? So that is um, focusing on one big project at a time. And, And something that comes up that he talks about is you might feel anxious. You might feel like, Oh my gosh, but I I do have some of these other things I probably should be working on too. And, and, and what he suggests in there is let those feelings be notice that, that you're anxious. That is so normal. And just accept that that's going to hang around with you. Um, of course, there's certain things that have to be done, right? You, you know, if, uh have to sign a permission slip that comes up on an email for a teacher, right? There's certain things to pay a bill. There's certain things that have to be done, you know. But but there are a lot of projects that might be on your radar that you think that you you, you need to get done, but really they can wait. They just sort of bring you anxiety because they're on your to do list. Um, But really, he talks about, okay. if you get that one project done and then you get another one done, you actually might start feeling less anxious because you're getting more efficient in completing things versus having a lot of open, uh, a lot of boxes to check that are still open. So, all right. So number three is to decide in advance what to fail at. Um, I I had to think about this one for a minute because I'm like, fail? Who's (laughs) that's not in my vocabulary. (laughs) But, um, but I, I mean, I, I do, I, I, I think one thing that I have definitely as a perfectionist tendency person, I have certainly learned that I just can't give my best at everything. And that my term is like good enough, right? Um, uh, our therapist that works with our boys talks to our boys a little bit about that sometimes too, like give yourself a certain time block to work on something. And then after you've reached that time block, you know, it is what it is. That's gotta just be good enough. And so getting to accept that, I think has been helpful But also just deciding what you're going to fail at. So I was thinking about that. Um, We've got an upcoming social event. It's a party where you're supposed to maybe get dressed up a little bit. And I'm like, you know what? I don't have the bandwidth to do that. I'm going to probably fail at that, but I'll still have a good time and it won't be that big of a deal. Um, Or I'm going to fail at um, not getting the best treats for this upcoming festival that my kids have, you know, you're supposed to bring cakes and fun things and, you know, you want to give them good options. And I'm like, well, I went to Trader Joe's and I got a few things and I didn't fail at getting it all together. I just failed at getting maybe what I thought would be, you know, good items. Those might be sort of silly things to give as examples. But anyway, it's just basically where you're okay with not doing your best and actually maybe not even doing it at all. Right. I mean, that's probably even a, a better way to say it is like you, it's okay to fail at certain things, but decide what that will be for you so you don't feel like you have let yourself or others down. All right, so number four is to focus on what you've already completed, not just what's left to complete. Oops, I've already done that one. I think I combined that with number one so we can move onward. Um, number five, consolidate your caring. This is really important for the empaths in the world. So we have so many different ways that we get news, um, social media that we hear people's stories, and if you are someone who just you know really feels for all of these things that come through, it can be very hard for someone like yourself. And we are exposed to many atrocities, um, many injustices, and honestly, it is just more than any human could effectively address. So, to be conscious and in- Picking your battles in charity, uh, being, you know, picking and being intentional about what you're going to care for and what you're going to do from an activism standpoint and just following through with those things um, because there is a feeling that you could really get pulled so thinly about wanting to care for too many things and then in, and then you never really do anything very well. So I really liked um, that and just thinking about looking at ourselves in in times of service. Number six is to embrace boring and single purpose technology. This one's a little tougher for me. I'm not likely going to, I I have a podcast on your phone and like how to not let, and actually I think maybe that podcast got um, inspired by this part in his book on attention because attention is a finite resource. And as I just talked earlier, everybody wants our attention, but Things like our phones and our computers and honestly, being a parent, um, really create ADHD, really create a distractible mind. And so um, and that's unfortunate because I do think that it's it's harder for you know me if I'm reading a scientific article for me to get through that article with my brain not saying hmm, maybe you should check that email and see if she got back to you on that one. Or, you know, whatever, there's a million things that might come through my mind while I'm reading an article that's a little tough. Whereas maybe in my graduate school days, I was much uh, more efficient at being able to focus for longer periods of time. So um, basically, what he is saying here is that's not good for producti- br- productivity, right? It's not good to have a very distracted brain where you're bouncing all over from one task to another. So instead of, um, you know, having a flip phone or um reading a, a real book versus reading on my phone because I just don't have time to go to the library and get real books. I mean I do, but I don't I don't make time. Let's say that. I don't make time to go do that, but I do like using my Libby app and getting a book on my phone. But what I tell myself is, okay, you're going to do this for 30 minutes and you're not going to do anything else. You're not going to flip to your email. You're not going to, you know, when the little notification comes across your phone, which is also something that can be helpful is just to stop all notifications if possible. Um, you're not going to check it and you're going to practice, you know, brain training that way. I also think meditation is a great way to train the brain. But anyway, Um, Digital distractions are huge, um, and I think anything that we can do to support our attention also supports productivity. Number seven is to seek out novelty in the mundane. And this is what I was talking about earlier with our childhood experiences, but I really do love this one. Um, This is about being present. This is about being curious because every moment really could potentially offer something you know, beautiful. And I also I think the book really gave me the reminder that we don't need to wait for cool things. Like cool things can happen all the time. Like walking to school and just there's this one tree on my walk to pick up the kids and it's so beautiful. It's a Japanese maple and it has tons of different colors in them. Normally they're red, but it's got like different shades of red. And I just love looking at it and giving it my full attention or watching Just, I mean, like watching, you know, maybe laugh at me, but like just watching a little bird, like jump around on the sidewalk with his little bird legs and like watch what he does or she, I mean, that's, I find that so interesting and fun. And I just think when we slow down a little bit and we do find some novelty in our everyday tasks, time slows down, we're with it more and we're with, and I think kids, And people are some of the best, right? I find kids to be a little more interesting in terms of the things that come out of their mouths compared to our adults, because I just think adults, we tend to like say similar things, or maybe we're a little bit more predictable, whereas my seven-year-old Henry certainly says a lot of unpredictable things that just make him very interesting to me. So. Anyway, um, seek out novelty in the m- mundane. Experience life with twice the usual intensity and your experience of life would be twice as full as it already is. Quote from Oliver. Okay, number eight, be a researcher in relationships. So basically, this is kind of like what I just talked about. It's choosing curiosity when you're talking with some someone versus you know, choosing to want to control the conversation, choosing to think about what you're going to say. Um, But really just, you know, having an open mind when you meet someone. It's a bit like beginner's mind theory. I know my husband very well, but let's pretend he walks the door and I pretend for just half a second I've never met this person before. It's kind of fun. So, Being a researcher in a relationship um, makes life a little less boring by deliberately adopting an attitude of curiosity. Um, So your goal isn't to achieve any particular outcome or to try to get them to see it your way or to successfully explain your position, but to really figure out who this human being is that is in front of us. So I really like that one. Um, Number nine, two left cultivate instantaneous generosity. Now this is um, this is the opposite of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This is the opposite of like control, I guess. Uh, but like you know in in uh, the intention seeking, we're trying to do something for 30 minutes and not let anything get in our way. We're trying to have brains that are like really present. but this is like if a thought of doing something nice comes into your brain, do it right away. So I had a really nice walk with a friend this morning and I was on the bike uh, working out later and I thought, oh, you know, I had a really nice time with that friend. And so I could just have to have that thought. Right. And that's the end of it. Or I could have say, well, when I get off the bike, I'll I'll send her a message later. Nine times out of 10, I'd get off the bike and feel like, God, that was a hard workout. Where's the water? And then I forget about texting my friend. So I just did it right there and then. Um, you know, a little voice to message. Hey, it was really nice having time with you this morning. I enjoyed our walk. And so, anytime something comes into your mind, you just that's nice or kind. You don't wait on it. You write the note. You send the text. You um, you let someone know how you feel about them, and that just makes life feel more full. And I think that's a really great way to spend our four thousand weeks plus. All right, finally, one of my favorites, which is the hardest, is to practice doing nothing. So when's the last time you did nothing? I mean, you're breathing, you're thinking, but when's the last time you just sat on the couch and just let yourself be? Or I remember when I read this book and I was like, I'm just gonna go sit outside on my front porch and just kind of sit there. And I'm sure the neighbors walked by and thought, What's going on with Jen? I mean, it looks weird when people do nothing. We're not accustomed to seeing people do nothing. And it actually can cause a little bit of anxiety to do nothing, right? Because you're not being productive, God forbid. Um, Here's a quote that I really like. Um, Blaise Pascal. I know nothing about Blaise Pascal. So uh, maybe you do and you're like, geez, Jennifer. But anyway, okay. I have discovered that all the unhappiness of men, I'll put in and women, Arises from one single fact that they cannot stay quietly in their own chamber. Um, so you know, it's it's something that. So what what, what would it what would be the benefit of doing nothing? I don't know, a little peace, quiet. Um, our friend Oliver in the book says if you can't bear the the discomfort of not acting you're far more likely to make poor choices such as stressfully trying to hurry activities that won't be rushed or feeling you ought to spend every moment being productive in the service of future goals thereby postponing fulfillment to a time that never arrives. So do nothing today. Just do nothing for a few minutes and see what that's like. Don't be productive at the end of this productivity wrap-up book. I think that is a fabulous thing to do today. Absolutely nothing. From your Love You More podcast hostess, Jennifer. Love you more. See you soon or talk to you soon.